Hey, it's John. This is the B side. The B side is a special series that will take you behind the scenes of objects. Every episode we make comes from hours of conversations with our guests. They're generous with their time and patient with our questions, and they end up giving us a ton of wisdom, some of which we have to edit. So many nuggets of truth get left off because we want to keep the show short and crisp. The B-Side lets us give our guests the mic so they can share all their wisdom with you. Last week, we released episode one of our season of entrepreneurship. Did you listen to it yet? Nick and Jonathan were a pair of consultants that pivoted into product makers. What was really interesting to me is how they got into the sensor industry in the first place. They never intended to join this market until, well, it just sort of happened. I love that because they did not just follow their passion into this business. Neither one of them grew up dreaming of thermometers or the sensor industry in general. They just saw an opportunity and they pursued it, and now they're thriving. You might be like Nick and Jonathan. Not exactly sure what you want to do. Take it from them. That's okay. Okay, that's enough hosting. The whole point of the B-side is that our guests get the mic. So without further ado, here's Nick and Jonathan from Sensor Push in their own words. I'm from New York City. I've been working with Nick Sears for a long time. Well, right out of grad school, really, but for the last 10 or 11 years with Cousins and Sears, which was a creative technology firm. Yeah, so I'm an uh, electrical engineer, designer, artist, musician, kind of a mixed bag uh, by trade. Met Jonathan at grad school in, in New York. Right out of grad school, we started working together as uh, Cousins and Sears. So ITP is the Interactive Telecommunications Program at NYU. It's a, a master's program in the uh, Tisch School of the Arts at NYU. It's a really interesting place. It's a place where people like us can come together. You know, it's engineers and artists and designers and, you know, history majors like Jonathan and uh, all come together, but they have a, a common focus on, I guess, kind of the humanity of technology, you could say, like where people and technology and, and things intersect. Sometimes what comes out is an art project. Sometimes what comes out is a web startup. Sometimes what comes out is you know something that may not even have technology in it at all for a particular piece of work, but it's still all informed by that space. Well, a lot of people leave in the program, you know, they leave there and they have the ability to sort of think in the big picture in terms of those things, you know, particularly with communications. So there's an awful lot of people who help companies develop a piece of technology in one way or another. Sometimes it's a physical thing. Sometimes it's a, a website or it's a corporation with goals, but they become user experience designers. They work on teams, uh, human behaviors and human computer interaction teams, sometimes for something like Google, sometimes for a really small, tiny enterprise, You know, sometimes at a university, whatever. But the point is, is they really have understood a lot about how people communicate and how to create products around, you know, how people interface with technology. On day one of the consultancy, we were just a consultancy and, and that was that. But it, as, it was something we really kind of fell into out of grad school. You know, we, we knew people, we had clients, we found work, we didn't need to go get a job, so we didn't go get a job. You know, we, we just kind of, and then it grew from there and became more formal. And as great as that was, it's kind of tiring having to constantly be on the hunt for your next meal, I guess. You know, that a project might take a week, it might take a month, it might take, you know, six months, but 
you've always got to be on the lookout for where the next project's coming from. And, you know, it's exciting, it's fun, but it, we started to realize, you know, that we can build something that's more stable and, and ultimately more profitable, right? Because we can design something once and, you know, kind of capture the ongoing value from that and continue developing and building that one thing. We just didn't know what that thing was going to be. And it really was an explicit effort, though. I mean, we spent several years really, you know, as we were doing other work, but in, you know, downtime and, and things like that, we would set time aside and, and really formally do investigations of different markets. And, you know, we did a lot of online research and, you know, reading and, and people that had these, you know, different business, uh, you know, podcasts and, and websites and things like that with different angles on how to get an idea off the ground and how to get something going. And we tried some exercises like, you know, picking a market and, you know, reaching out and contacting people within a market and, and flat out asking them, you know, what, what do you need? What are your pain points in your business or your, you know, your life or whatever? And we just kind of arbitrarily picked uh, real estate appraisers. And, you know, I, frankly, we, we came, the systems worked, right? I mean, if you emailed these people and followed the system that was prescribed online, you know, that people would respond and people would, if 5% of the people open the email and 5% of those people uh, will get on the phone with you, then, you know, you can have a series of good phone calls of people that are interested and engaged and have problems that they want solved. And we probably could have pursued something from some of those more formal efforts, but it was just a combination of we never found anything there that really grabbed us that we were passionate about, I guess you'd say, and just life and work and everything else that never lined up. We both have kids. And in the course of all that, my first child was being born. So, you know, it was kind of extra busy and extra focused on just keeping, you know, money coming in and keeping the consultancy healthy and, and all that. And then we, we happened to have a slow period in, uh, I guess it was the fall, winter of 2015. And I had, bought a house earlier that year, moved out of the city for the second time, but uh, permanently at that point, and had done some insulation work in the house and wanted a way to measure the effectiveness of, of all this work I was doing. And I started looking around for, you know, essentially sensor push and couldn't find anything that met my needs. And uh, so I started talking to Jonathan about it. And, uh, you know, at the same time, Jonathan's an avid musician and guitar collector. Well, I am those things that Nick just mentioned, a guitar collector and player and all that kind of stuff. But I also live in a, in a New York City apartment. And, you know, buildings built around that period of time, in the you know, first half, first three quarters of the 20th century, most of them have seen heat. And they create just these, just, uh, you know, deserts in the winter. And I had... You know, kind of like Nick, I, I had tried a few things that sort of solved the problem, but they didn't really, I either didn't like using them or I didn't understand them well enough or they weren't the right sort of form fat. You know, the kinds of things you realize you're not really necessary when you're not specifically setting out, not like some thermometer company or hygrometer company came to us and said, hey man, let's rethink these tools. Once you start paying attention to what it's not doing with the idea of like, how could you improve this? It starts, oh, yeah, 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 right. I, we could do this, this, and this. 2015 period, we had a really busy year of 2014. We were in Germany at Electronica, which is a big, it's like CES, but for electronic components. We were in Munich working on a client project, and it was affiliated with this conference. And so we were there. It was a, like a, one of these things where an agency needed us to build something 
they had built this beautiful and incredibly gorgeous trade show installation. And it kind of needed a centerpiece that was very different in all kinds of We designed a thing for the center of that. It was a big success. It was really fun and very cool. It was a stand that you could stand at, had these new types of flexible sensors. You could like play with them and interacting with them reflected on this fog screen. So you'd be like playing with these really organic feeling sensors, but looking into this mist and seeing all this stuff happen in the mist. And there was like a, the table had like another side on it. So someone was looking kind of back at you and your interaction with these sensors was kind of, you know, going through this mist at each other. And it was really dramatic. But the thing is, is that, you know, it was working with sensors, figuring out how you make that thing actually work from one night to the next and building something robust. So it involved programming, involved design, involved electrical engineering. It had to be artistic. It had to work. You know, it couldn't just be some art experiment. It was a corporation that had hired us to make this. So unrelated to that, we also had started fooling around with some Bluetooth stuff and kind of got familiar with that world of small Bluetooth devices, particularly ones that use the Bluetooth LE, low energy, and which is similar to regular Bluetooth. And so we had kind of had it in the back of our minds with these pieces of hardware that, hey, that's really cool that they're really, they don't use a lot of power or they're We'd had some of those pieces of gear, and, and we reached this point where that was our where our development really started was taking these these Bluetooth chipsets that we'd already been working with, and you know we realized that the combination of having had that experience, and then now we both realized we had this need for a, a smart thermometer hygrometer for these various reasons, and. You know, we realized that, you know, if we sort of put part A with part B here, we can make the hardware and we know how to make apps and software and design things and design good experiences and all that. I think from, from really the idea and committing to do it, I think we had product on Amazon in 60 to 90 days. I mean, it was, it blows me away how quickly we were able to make that happen. The initial version was very much an experiment. I think we ordered 100 pieces initially, and then uh, before that order got produced, I think we decided to really go big and double down, and we ordered 200. You know, there might be a great thermometer company that's been around for 100 years, but they haven't built Bluetooth devices. They haven't built mobile apps, and they definitely haven't built a cloud, you know, with Wi-Fi gear and all that other kind of stuff that needs to kind of just perpetually roll that data into some kind of Internet of Things solution. That certainly made it easier for us to get started, but also easier for us to understand what our product was. All right. So the sensor push are these, uh, they're small. They're like this size. They're battery-powered Bluetooth wireless sensor that can sense temperature and humidity. It takes a reading once per minute. So it means it grabs the temperature, it grabs the, the relative humidity once per minute. It stores it on the device, but it also is broadcasting it out. So you can use that where you just add it to our app, actually, on your phone. It's not like a Bluetooth speaker. You don't add it as a Bluetooth device. And so if you have our app, you download it, it's free, you add the sensor, and then your phone can sort of, either while you're looking at it or running in the background, it can just, you might be work moving around your house or your office or whatever, and that thing's out there taking those temperature and humidity readings once a minute and going bing, bing, bing. And your phone can be running in the background. The app can be in the background just sort of picking it up and so if your phone is running in the background with a Bluetooth checking that stuff out, it'll tell you, it'll send you a notification. Oh man, hey, your guitars are getting really dry. You want to you know, take care of that. Your back porch is about to freeze. So do you have a hose out there? Do you want to bring it in so it doesn't crack? You know, whatever. 
But the point is, is that's the core of the product, and that was the first phase. You can have a dozen sensors of our sensors on your phone. So if you want to have them all over your house, you can get temperature and humidity rings from all over your house. If you have a collection of guitars, you can get them from the... If you have 10 guitars, it's a way to have one in each case, that kind of thing. Your phone runs in the background. It doesn't care if you've got one or if you've got two dozen of them. It'll just kind of roll along and pick these things up and store them. And the sensors have almost three weeks worth of memory on them, that kind of stuff. So you can leave and come back and find out what happened when you were gone. But the big ad was we added a, a component that is a hub. That device kind of stands in for you and your phone. It can be at your house. You can have one or three or five of them around your house, a big house. You can have them at two different locations. And if you've got a bunch of sensors in those various locations where the gateway that you've created an account with, if it's picking those sensors up, it's pinging them to the cloud and you can see them on your phone, whether or not you're standing next to the sensor or, you know, Nick was able to get readings from upstate New York while he was in the Himalayas and Bhutan. So, you know, it doesn't matter. As long as you got access to the internet, you're going to get those minute by minute readings. You're going to get a push notification if you're in Florida and your Wisconsin uh, lake house is freezing up. You're going to get an email if you sign up for an email alert, those kinds of things. So that's really the core of the product. Now, we've added some other kinds of sensors. We've added some that are water resistant and some pressure. We're going to be making more of it. And we can talk more about that stuff as well. But that is the core of the product. You know, that's uh, and, and on the app, you can visualize the data. You can see the history. It collects it for a long period of time. So you can see really what happened. And again, we can talk more about the breadth of use cases, but it can create a picture of what's happening with temperature and humidity that you were not able to see before. And that really sort of dovetail, that's sort of a good segue to Nick, what you were able to see happen that you normally can't ever see in your own home, particularly when you're changing something about your home like he was doing. Yeah, so it was uh, a major air sealing and insulation project and humidity control, you know, added a whole home dehumidifier and, uh, you know, was working on my, uh, the heating system at the time that was, it had, you know, an old boiler heat system and, you know, was making some changes to the way that worked. And it's amazing to be able to see this history of, of what's happening and, and to see how a change in one part of the house might affect, you know, it'll affect that room, but then, you know, often it'll, it might affect the whole house in a way that you just really wouldn't have anticipated. And there would be really no way to know if you didn't have the data being logged. We knew we could get traffic to a website. We knew we could get some traffic to, you know, by extension to the Amazon listing. You know, it's interesting. A lot of the business on Amazon, they're private label sellers, right? So there are people that will, you know, source a product. Usually it's from China and, um, you know, that'll be anything from going on Alibaba or, you know, they may go to China and meet suppliers or, you know, go to the Canton Fair or, you know, trade shows, things like that. But they'll take a, an existing product and, you know, sometimes make a small change to it, sometimes just brand it and package it and, you know, add some nice marketing materials around it or whatever. And that's a new product on Amazon. And that's why, you know, when you go on Amazon, if you search for, you know, a garlic press, the first page of results on Amazon is likely going to be, you know, seven listings for one product that all look exactly the same, but they've got a different logo on them. And, and that's where that comes from. And they had written, there's a lot of cookbook type stuff written about how to really work with Amazon that Nick did a lot of work to like sort of consolidate what a lot of people had been writing about, whether it was really about how to tweak, you know, 
keywords for you know your SEO within Amazon or whether or not it was about what were people trying and what were they working and so he really distilled a huge amount of information but it is stuff that's out there like it's a known art and the combination of that plus the fact that we had a product it wasn't like it cost us ten thousand dollars to make each unit you know we had a unit that was physically small that could be you know shipped in small packages that could be shipped to you know everything about it was convenient in those respects but a big part of it was nick really just paying attention well we've used a lot of the research that we've done about other startup ideas and kinds of things and he really shaped that into okay i think this is what we need to do and we didn't have a lot of question marks with other stuff that a lot of people i think sometimes have but we knew about what works in an app you know what i mean we knew what would you know those kinds of things and not that we were confident 100% in like the idea of how the app worked or any of that stuff, but we had a way more certainty and a lot less guesswork and a lot less time, and we did it ourselves. Yeah, right. I mean, we had the advantage of, you know, we essentially, we had the private labelers playbook from, you know, these all these resources online that we had discovered. You know, we actually had a unique product that was, you know, something that we had developed and something that, you know, we had this very unique app that we built and you know it, it was a new offering so it the combination of having all that kind of i guess you know tactical information from the the private labelers plus the product advantage i mean it really worked well it i think it took us you know two or three days to get our first sale and it's funny i was telling this so i ran into a guy that i noticed he had fba you know fulfilled by amazon labels he was shipping a product into amazon so i started talking to him and he was just getting started. He'd been doing it for a few months, and he was doing what they call retail arbitrage, where he, you know, he was buying—I forget what his product was. But he was buying, essentially, buying things on sale at stores and then shipping them in and selling them on Amazon. And he was so excited. You know, he had made his first thousand dollars, I think, the you know, in the few days before or whatever. And you know, I was just giving him some encouragement, you know, because he was he was carrying in a, a few cases out of the trunk of his car, and you know, we were there with a pickup truck and an enclosed trailer and like wheeling in, you know, 50 cases for stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, thousands and thousands of pieces and, you know, I was like, yes, this can be done, but it was fun. The the moment that we both really shared was, you know, the, the moment when you make your first sale and like what a big deal that is because it's, you know, it was silent for a couple of days and, it, you know, we're sitting there like, is this going to work or not? You know, we don't know. And, and we still had the consultancy. It wasn't like we were by any stretch all in with it, but it was still, you know, we'd put a lot of work in and we wanted it to work. And I remember I was, I happened to be at a museum with my kids and uh, I heard the alert go off and it was like, this is working, you know, and it was one, one sale, but you know, if you can sell one, you can sell more than one. They are so good, aren't they? If we could, we would have put this all in a two hour episode, but we keep our episode short because we know you have other fish to fry. Stay tuned in this series. We got a great new episode with an entirely different kind of object coming up soon. If you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Hit the button. Until then, take care, be safe, and stay curious. Curious.